As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Good evening, my brothers. This is George Rose with Brothers in Arms, and I am here with my co-host today, uh, not Bill Maher. It's uh, the poor man's <laughs> imitation of Bill Maher, Nelson Abreu. How are you, Nelson? I'm awesome, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, pleasure to be here. Honored to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, Bill had to back cancel at the last minute because he had a work commitment to be in Connecticut uh, today, so he couldn't make it back for the show, but... Uh, Thank you for your yes, Nelson. I try, brother. Every time somebody says something, especially when it comes to uh, our faith in God, I just, you can't say no. You told me that you yesterday. You can't say no. Yeah, you can't. You said when, that's like your little promise to God, that when people ask things related to your faith, that you always say yes. God and my wife. God and your wife. <laughs> Is it one and the same? Or? <laughs> Don't go down that road. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. Well, I appreciate you having here. And just so you guys know, this uh, Nelson's a first timer, so... He's uh he's a little nervous today, but we'll uh I'm sure he's gonna do fine. He likes to talk. That's why I called I him. I do appreciate you giving me that extra medication this morning, though. It, uh, today it's really helping me. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> so uh, guys, we got a great show uh, today. We have our Saint of the Month. We're gonna have some current events and topics, and we have an interview with uh, a gentleman named Tyler Rowley who just put out a, a new book recently. And um, but the first thing I want to mention, everyone, is um, our uh, the, ne- the the conference. conference like, yeah. Normally, we have our Catholic Member Jesus Christ Conference, and in the last weekend of February. But this year, we're unable to do that uh, because of COVID nineteen. And pretty much everybody in the country is kind of in the same boat. Uh, so we are participating with uh, an organization called Virtual Catholic Conference that is putting on a national Catholic men's conference. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And we're one of several, organi- the Archdiocese of St. Louis is, in, is uh, participating. Uh, I believe Newark is, uh, Archdiocese of Newark. Um, uh, Memphis is participating. So there's a number of uh, dioceses. It's it's supported by That Man Is You, I think is one of the sponsors mm. of it, uh, Covenant Eyes. And it's going to be great. Uh, it's on February 19th to 21st. And it's going to be a weekend event. Lots of on-demand videos for, with talks that you know. With you could never have this lineup of speakers live. It'd I guess be impossible. You just go online to uh, register for that. You're going to start seeing emails coming out this week. So okay, we, great. we're just going to start doing our, our. You can go to our website as well. I think we should have everything up uh, either this weekend, definitely by Monday at the latest, and it will give all the information to. Um, to, to register and some of the get you know Chris Stefanik is going to be the MC. Uh, we uh, some of the other speakers are going to be Christopher West. Um, uh, who else here? Hector Molina, who's a great speaker. Matt Frad, Jason Everett, uh, Damon Owens, who's a friend of the show here. Patrick Madrid, hmm. uh, Father Don Calloway, Father Larry Richards. 
I mean, it's it's an amazing lineup of uh, of speakers. It's going to be really good. Um, and a couple of speakers that we brought to to the conference. One is Mike Sweeney, okay. uh, the former uh, MLB All Star with the Kansas City Royals. Great Catholic guy. Uh, he's doing a pre recorded talk, and then. Bill and I are going to be doing an interview, a live interview with Mark Teixeira, who uh, we had at our conference last year. Awesome. So, yeah, so we're going to have an yeah. hour-long interview with him. It's going to be done through uh, a webinar, a webinar jam. Okay. And there will be a uh, chat bar uh, where people can ask questions. So part of it will be interview, and then people are going to be able to ask questions live. That's great. And, and is this? I guess it's an all-day event. Well, it's an all-weekend event. Oh, so, wow. yeah, I think it starts at noon on Friday and goes till the end of the day on Sunday. And um, each a lot of the talks will be pre-recorded beyond demand. Then every evening from 5 to 8, it's live content. And that's when I think Chris nice. Stefanik will come in as the MC uh, to do some live stuff. So you're going to have some live talks, interviews, things like that. So it's a men's conference, though, overall, right? It's, all it's a men's conference. Great. It may Their goal is to, to be the largest men's conference ever. Well, I'll tell you, you know, just being part of Catholic Men for Jesus Christ for, I don't know, probably 10 plus years, we, we just so desperately need this, you know? Yep. I mean, when you get a group of men together, and I say this respectfully, really with no testosterone and just talking about Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and just on fire for God, yep. it, it just, for those who are faith-filled, it just reju rejuvenates their batteries. Yeah. And for those, I've, I've had uh, testimonies from brothers who've gone there and said, mm -hmm. I had no faith, and I went to a Catholic Men for Jesus Christ conference. It changed my world. Really? So it's amazing how, you know, uh, for any of you brothers listening, invite another brother. Uh, invite a friend, a neighbor to maybe catch, if not all three days, but at least one or two days if they can or apart, because it does have an impact. For sure, for it sure. It really does. And, you know, it's uh, the conference, and that's great to hear, Nelson. Thanks for saying that, because it's always, we put a lot of work into that conference every year, um, and also this radio show, and to hear that it's having an effect uh, is great. Yeah, Conversions I mean, of hearts. I've, I've talked yeah. to the people directly, the men, yep. who said, I, I've just, I'm in love with God now, or, or Jesus, just because of your conference. Wow, wow, that's awesome to hear. Well, let's hope that this conference will have the same effect, and it's, you're going to see marketing uh, emails come out from us, so please uh, take notice. And it's free. Uh, to register for it is free. There's also a premium pass as well where you can get the videos archived, uh, I think, over the course of the next year. And you can watch them anytime you want, which may be a good option because it's going to be hard to catch everything that weekend, you know. That is. Um, so anyway, that's our plug for the conference. And um, I would like to talk about our Saint of the Month. Uh, Saint, Who's the Saint of the Month, uh, Nelson? Um, I think it's St. Valentine. St. Valentine. Talk about uh, saying yes to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot for men, right? <laughs> yeah, that he, he has. He's helped us, and he's also uh, he's a blessing and a curse, because if God forbid, we forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saint, so St. Valentine, you know, and I kind of forgot that, you know, Valentine's Day, it's originally the, the feast day of a saint. Correct. Right? It's connected it, it, to the church. Yeah, it's connected to the church. And, mo you know, honestly, out there in the world, most people probably don't know that. Even yeah. most Catholics probably don't know that. Correct. I'll bet. Correct. Um, and I can kind of include myself in there uh, until last <laughs> night when I was researching St. <laughs> Valentine. So he was born in—his full name is St. Valentine of Rome. He was born in the year 226 in Terni, Italy, and he died in around the year 270 in Rome. His feast day is February 14th, 
And uh, this feast day was first marked by Pope Gelasius in 496 A.D. So this is a really ancient uh, feast day. And it was, it was marked as a, a day uh, of celebration in honor of his martyrdom. So uh, St. Valentine, he is the patron saint of engaged couples, marriage, love, plague, believe it or not, epilepsy, and beekeepers. Yeah, beekeepers, huh? Yeah, I'm not quite sure uh, <laughs> how, how uh, beekeepers got in there, but I guess pro- obviously they were beekeeping back in ancient Rome, huh? Uh, Need that honey, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good one. Yes, you're natural for this, Nelson. <laughs> um, so the name Valentine, it's derived from valens, which in Latin means worthy, strong, powerful, and it was a pretty popular name in late antiquity. Uh, believe it or not, there are like 11 other saints called St. Valentine as well. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it was a very popular name back then. Probably like Nelson today. There's like a lot of (laughs) Nelsons out there, right? (laughs) Um, And there are several different accounts of his life. So it's kind of like St. Valentine. The stories about St. Valentine, it's so long ago and not clear which stories were the real St. Valentine, and which were other stories from Correct. other Valentines. So he's a little bit of an amalgamation of a, a few different uh, accounts of his life. And, and it seems, you know, I just saw two quick stories on his life here the, that just kept coming up and up. And one was that uh, he was uh, a priest or bishop. That wasn't clear to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that he was put under house arrest uh, by Judge Asteris. And while discussing the faith with him, uh, supposedly the the judge brought his daughter who was blind uh, to him and said, hey, you know, if you restore her sight, then I'll buy into this faith or, or your, your... I'll say yes. Yes, to, to, to God. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I'm sure that was a little maybe nervous moment for him, but he did place his hands on the young lady's eyes, and lo and behold, she could see again. She regained her sight. And the gentleman immediately crushed all the idols in his home, mm. became a yes to God. Yep. and faith-filled. So it's an interesting story. I think his whole sense. family was baptized. Correct. 44 people, right, yeah. is according to the no, story. It's a, it's a great story. Yeah. And uh, it is a great story. And then, you know, after that, as the, as the story goes, he was uh, later arrested for <laughs> evangelizing again, right? And yeah. he was brought to Emperor Claudius II himself. And, In Rome, yeah. And, and apparently they kind of struck up a bit of a, a friendship or a relationship. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> he and started taking a liking to him. Claudius started taking a liking until he started talking about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and, he and tried to convert him. Tried to convert him, and that was uh, the end of St. Valentine um, and Claudius's relationship. <laughs> Correct. In fact, there was a little side note I saw that um, supposedly St. Valentine at that time on the day before his death or coming to his martyrdom, he wrote a note to, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, Asterius' daughter. Asterius' right, the daughter. the judge's daughter. And they say that's how maybe you got the tradition of sending Valentine notes or letters to a loved one. Right. And he Valentine's signed it from day. your Valentine. Correct. Right. Interesting yes. little tidbit. Maybe an embellishment of the story. Maybe, but, a but little bit. Could be it's true. It's a good story, though. <laughs> it is good. So, but he, yeah, and he was he was beheaded then uh, out on the, um, the Via Flaminia in the north part of Rome. And, um, you know, he was, a, he was a real person. But some of the other story, you know, there's other stories about um, healings and things like that that happen that kind of get mixed together. But I think the point is, you know, he was, he was a priest or a bishop in Rome, and he ministered to persecuted Christians. That's yeah. what he did. And it said that for some of 
the unpopular Roman wars that he was marrying uh, couples in secret because Claudius didn't want men to get married because that would prevent them from being conscripted to go to war. So, so he was supporting love and marriage uh, versus, you yeah. know, men being a life sent of to faith. death. Yeah, a, a life, life of faith. faith. And, and so he's really, you know, it's a, he's a great saint. And uh, we don't, you know, in 1969, the, the, the Catholic Church removed his name from the general Roman calendar. So we don't celebrate it uh, on the general Roman calendar, but it's left up to the local countries uh, if they want to celebrate St. Valentine, you know, uh, sure. St. Valentine's Day on the 14th. But we continue to recognize him as a saint. And um, if you ever want to see it look like a pretty cool relic, you can go to the Basilica of Santa Maria in Rome, and you can see his skull crowned <laughs> with flowers. <laughs> it's in a little a, a reliquary big enough to hold a skull. In fact, wasn't the story, and I don't have it here handy, but that he was actually buried somewhere else prior and they, they dug up the remains and then moved him to the basilica or something like that. Yeah, I imagine. I yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure the exact uh, particulars, but somehow his skull is there <laughs> uh, with flowers on it, <laughs> which seems fitting for Saint Valentine, even though yeah. you know he had a uh, uh, he had a not a pleasant ending to his life. But you know, we know he's in heaven. So I think that's the end of this uh, segment, Nelson. So Saint Valentine, pray for us. And we will be back in two minutes. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Our Lord worked many miracles. Here are some of the characteristics about them. First, he worked them as signs to convince men of the fact that he who came to work these miracles was the one that was promised. He never worked a miracle to amaze a multitude. He never worked a miracle to satisfy his hunger or his thirst. He never worked a miracle to obtain a living. He never received money for the things which he accomplished. He refused to convert the stones of the wilderness into bread to satisfy his own hunger or to cause water to gush out of a rock to slake his thirst. Instead, he asked a woman to let down her bucket to give him a drink. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. One year after I graduated Catholic High School, I eloped to Las Vegas, Nevada. My husband was not Catholic, and at the time I didn't really think that it really mattered which church we went to because we all loved God and we all loved Jesus, and that was the start of my journey out of the Catholic Church, where I remained out of the Catholic Church for over 30 years. When I um, started to read the Bible, I could see that our Catholic faith is steeped in Scripture. I could see some of the sacraments in Scripture. I could see some of the liturgy in Scripture. I learned that the Catholic Church was started by Jesus Christ, who gave the authority to Peter, and it has continued in succession down to the present day. And that was the start of my journey home to the Catholic Church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Well, welcome back to our show, my brothers, on this uh, rain, kind of a rainy, sleety uh, Friday evening as you're possibly on your way home from work. It's not snow. It's, what is it? It's like a rain, but it's not snow, man. It's sleety. Sleety, sleety works, right. but I don't want to get that snow blower out again, man. Yeah, that was a lot of snow we had <sighs> this week, wasn't it? 
I was actually up in the Catskills. We had two and a half feet of snow up there. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, you know what? You got to be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Uh Uh-oh. When I was growing up, my neighbor had a snowblower, one of the first. And right. we had a small house. He would come out, do his... One of the first snowblowers. He, he had it. It's like I having color TV. I was a Puerto Rican snowblower. I was shovel in <laughs> hand, okay? I was just shoveling away. And he would never help anybody. So long story short, I made a promise at like seven, eight years old to God that if he blessed me with a snowblower, I would help everybody, all my neighbors. Wow. So, and I've been fortunate and blessed to get a beast of a snowblower. And I'm typically out for five or six hours doing wow. all of my street and helping. Wow. And I'm, I'm so grateful because I, I just remember being that seven, eight-year-old child making that promise. And, wow. And God, again, came through. You were called from an early age, <laughs> Nelson, I must say. The, the Puerto Rican snowblower. There I you like go. That. Yeah. Yeah. Hand and shovel. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, you know, this weekend is Super Bowl weekend. Are you aware of that? I know you're not a big sports I'm, guy. I'll tell you, but it's going to be a good game, though, you, right? Well, let me ask. Let's see. Let's put Nelson on the spot. <laughs> Who's playing, Nelson? We got Tampa and uh, Kansas City. Oh, very good. In fact, good. the old Eagles coach, Andy Reid, is right. That's right. Yep, and he's uh, he's coaching Tom Brady, who is— No, he's not coaching Tom Brady. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's pat- coaching Patrick Mahomes. My bad. Um <laughs> Yeah, Bruce Arians is the coach for uh, Tampa, right. yeah. and he's coaching uh, Tom And the first Bra- time they're going to play at home for a uh, Super Bowl. First time in history, yep, that, that the One home the stadium, yep, for the, for the, for Tampa Bay. And uh, and their star quarterback, Tom Brady, he's a Catholic, actually. Did not know that. He is a Catholic. I don't know much about him and his faith, but I do know that he's Catholic, and so is his wife. I've seen pictures of him, he and, him and her taking their kids to uh, church in New York oh, City that's before. All, that's just great Yep, it is great to hear. Yeah. So, uh, as is the tradition on Super Bowl weekend, we know that typically mayors of cities will make bets <laughs> on who will win. Uh, we also have bishops that make bets, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so, Bishop Gregory Parks of St. Petersburg, which, which is where, you know, St. Petersburg, Tampa, uh, and Bishop James Johnston of Kansas City, St. Joseph, announced their wager uh, a few days ago. Uh, an episode of a conversation with Cardinal Dolan. So they had their their boss, you know, one of their their boss, their elder, uh, <laughs> on his show. And so if the Kansas City Chiefs win, Bishop Parks will send hand rolled Tampa cigars to Bishop Johnston. And if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win, Bishop Johnston will send Kansas City barbecue to Bishop Parks. So which one <laughs> sounds harder to send? <laughs> I think the Kansas City barbecue is going to be a Those little... Those bishops are getting crazy out yeah, there. Yeah, they huh? are crazy. It, I don't know how you send Kansas City barbecue through the mail or you know FedEx or whatever, but they're going to do it. Um, also, I, you know, I read in this article here too, Nelson, that there, there's a couple of... Um, there's an interesting wager between two Catholic schools. One, um, St. Paul uh, Catholic School in St. Petersburg and St. Elizabeth Catholic School in Kansas City. And uh, the schools are holding a food drive uh, and they're calling it the Super Bowl, but spelled S-O-U-P-E-R, soup, like soup gotcha. that you eat, right? Sure. So it's a Super Bowl, and they're collecting soup cans to donate to local pantries, and the school that collects the most cans will be declared the winner. So that's and this is all cool high schools? Take. 
Uh, it doesn't say okay. if high, they're either high school or high school. It's wonderful, though, when young say. people get involved and do stuff. Turn yep. you know, something so, I guess, media and, and popular into something of giving. Yeah. That's awesome. Isn't that great? The Super Bowl. It, that's it, a really, it that's a cool. Uh, Especially young people getting involved. Right? Right? Can make you excited. We need to see more of that. Yeah, and tie in some, uh, you know, the preferential option for the poor, right? Correct. Tie that into the Super Bowl. So that that's pretty cool, I thought. Um, so... We spoke, uh, we have a couple other things to talk about here, some other topics. One is uh, you and I both noticed that Pope Francis uh, recently, he, he called human fraternity the challenge of our century. Yeah. Um, big, kind of a big statement. He did, um, he, he was marking, it was the first International Day of Human Fraternity. He did with the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, Ahmed El-Tayeb. Um, well, I'm glad you said that, not me. Yeah, well, don't know if I said it right. No, I but... think you did. And again, he said there, either we are brothers or allow me to say everything will fall apart. He did say that. And it was a you know, it was a 40-minute online meeting talking about the importance of human fraternity. Hmm. You know, and it was, it was organized by the Higher Committee for Human Fraternity in collaboration with the Va- Vatican's uh, Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue, which... Uh, you know, we need so much these days. We're so polarized in our country. I don't Correct. think it's just our country. It's around the world. Yeah, it's a take global your, problem. Yeah, take your pick on, uh, you know, what you want to p- be polarized on. And it's out there, right? Yeah. There's a million different things. Definitely. So the Pope also said, you know, fraternity means to lend a helping hand. Fraternity means respect. Fraternity means listening with an open heart. Fraternity means defending our own convictions because there is no true fraternity if one's own convictions have to be negotiated, which is an interesting statement, right? Yeah. So we can have our convictions. That doesn't mean we need to to negotiate or cave into them, but we can be respectful about it. That's so true. You know, that's a big thing that's missing today. You know, Mm -hmm. we uh, see that lack of respect. I mean, growing up, right, as, Mm -hmm. as children people like police officers or people in authority, we had them very respectful, even for people like that. Sure. That's out the window today. Yeah. And it's needed. Yeah, totally. And the like the Pope said, I just thought of you, because fraternity means to lend a helping hand, as, you know, the Puerto Rican snowblower <laughs> there you does, go. right? There so. you go. <laughs> yeah. And he also just, I like this one line, he says, a world without brothers is a world of enemies. Mm. It's mm. pretty heavy. Yeah. And everybody's my brother. There you go. Right. So you have no enemies. Well said, Nelson. Very well said, you know. And, and we need to remember the, the, the verse from the Bible, right? We, we do not struggle against flesh and blood. Huh? We're fighting against the, the, the principalities, the powers that rule the darkness, right? Amen. Um, and people forget that. So, you know, my, my, the, the, the man, the, the, the pro-abortion or pro-choice person is not my enemy. Uh, no. I'm fighting something else other than that person. Sure. Right? Sure, uh, you're fighting the devil, the devil himself. You are, you know, and we have to see that, you know, we have to see that. Yep, yeah, and it's it's so helpful to remind because that takes the rancor out of things, right? Correct. If I can look at somebody as my brother who's misguided, uh, and to love him, and to love him, yep. That's the that's the great thing when you look at it like that. That's not him; it's the devil. Yeah, you can love him mm. or her, mm. and, and we really have to focus because right, God, our God, in one word is what. Is love. That's it. That's man. our faith. That's it's it, love. man. Yep. You know, I have a cousin in Florida who always uh, does a lot of work with homeless people and, and stuff like that. And he goes, they, they can be combative. Mm. And I go, what do you do? He goes, he smiles and he goes, we hit them with love. Yeah, that's great. 
I need to remember that with my teenage son. I, <laughs> well, you hit him. I don't always do you that. You hit him, but maybe not with love, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's hard. It's really hard sometimes. Maybe sometimes harder in our own families, right, than it is to with people outside our families, um, and and especially with teenagers, they can be tough. They uh, <laughs> well, I know for a fact, and uh, I love him to death. I have a son who's twenty eight, and I to this day I know that at when he started middle school at fourteen. Aliens came and took him. Right. But thank God, at 2021, the aliens brought him back. <laughs> oh, they did, right. Because okay. middle school, he lost his mind. Yeah. But yeah. he's back and he's good. <laughs> a good friend of mine, one of my roommates in college, says when they become teenagers, they say goodbye. And then when they're 21 or 22, they, they say hello and come back. There you go. <laughs> well, it's funny because Dr. Phil, he said— We weren't oh, like that, though, were we, Nelson? <laughs> no, no, I was a saint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about Dr. Phil? No, Dr. Phil, you know, it's interesting because uh, he had his program and he said he's uh, talking about these young people, teenagers, uh, parents who had mm -hmm. teenagers and who were complaining, right? They're having trouble with their teenage children. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I'm going to tell you right after this commercial how you can tell when a teenager is lying. So you wait, of course, because you want to know the secret. Right. Comes back, he goes, the way you know a teenager's line is as soon as they open their mouth. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that sounds like Dr. Phil. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell that to my son tonight when I get, get home. <laughs> so uh, where should we go next? We got uh, a few minutes left in this segment. Um, Nelson, it's something I'd like to let the guys know about is, is you. You know, that you're... Um, you are in your second year of the diaconate, and you've been involved with Catholic Men for Jesus Christ uh, for a number of years now. And you graciously said yes when I asked you to be the Mercer County rep uh, probably five or six years ago, right? It's been a while. It's been a little while. It's been a while. And you've been a great help in uh, organizing oh, the parishes and getting the word out in Mercer mm -hmm. County. And uh, and then I was I was very surprised when you told me you were entering the diaconate. Uh, a couple I was years also. Ago. You were too. Yeah. How did it God happen? has a sense of humor. Well, that he does. What's, what's so funny is 12 years ago, mm -hmm. I was in a Catholic. Tw oh, you're a convert. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. I think I knew that, but I forgot that. So uh, it's one where, uh, and I thought all Catholics, How does, were, I thought Catholics were all crazy. Yeah. And then 12 years ago, I had a change of heart. Yep. And your wife was always a very devout oh. Catholic, right? Yeah. In fact, she, what do you, the, the, the little, it's called a scapula. Scapular. I found out that she put that underneath my mattress, and two weeks later, I became Catholic. Really? That's a true story. Yeah. Wow. So I was meant to be a Catholic. How do you grow up Puerto Rican not being Catholic, at least Father nomin was Catholic. nominally? Father was Catholic. <laughs> Mom uh, was a Protestant Pentecost. In fact, I have pastor, uh, uncles who are pastor, Pentecost pastors in Puerto Rico. So oh, I grew up with both okay. faiths. Gotcha. It's both faiths. But, uh, Did you consider yourself more Pentecostal then before your conversion? I consider or? myself, I'm going to tell you, I consider myself exactly what a, what a um, Catholic priest said. I, I was very hard. I wanted to talk to a priest before I converted. And right. my first question to our, our priest was, I said to him, very chip on my shoulder, I said, what are you? And he says, I'm a Christian. Mm. I believe Jesus Christ <laughs> died on a cross for my sins. He goes, I choose Catholicism to practice my Christianity. Hmm. <sighs> he blew me away. Wow. He, that was like the perfect answer. <clears throat> and then, of course, the conversation went in that direction. But long story short, that's how I saw myself growing up. I always believed in Christ. Hmm. You know, I might have chose this way, this way to, to practice a faith and got away from my faith, of course, and, mm -hmm. and came back in my 20s. But, mm -hmm. you know, I always saw that. 
I always see. Saw you were kind of like a non-denominational Christian, I guess, before then. Would that I was be accurate? Baptist, Pentecostal, <laughs> and Catholic. I kind of grew up with those kind uh, of top three. Yeah, that's kind of non-denominational. I guess, I guess. <laughs> multi-denominational, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but yes, I've met your wife, and she is a, 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 devout. a, a very devout, a holy woman. Yeah, just, you know? you know, we're both blessed to have awesome wives, and we are, you know, yep. and good-looking. They're hot. Thank God. My wife used to be a supermodel. That's what she always tells people. <laughs> yeah. No, well, both our wives are going right got, to heaven, right? They don't have to go to purgatory because they're married to us, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Lord knows what, what our wives put up with. But uh, that's an amazing story. I, I did not realize that she put, but I'm sure the two weeks of the scapular under the bed were, you know, there was many years. It was 30 years that. of going to Catholic church prior to that. Yeah, 30 years of. Because I was going to Catholic church, mm-hmm. church with her. I just wasn't taking receiving the Eucharist. Mm. And then, you know, that's a story in itself. Wow, 30 years of going to church and, and no Eucharist. In fact, huh? when I went to the Easter vigil, when I converted, everybody in the church was like shocked. When yeah. They said, What's Nelson doing up there? They all thought you were Catholic. Oh, yeah, because I've always go. I would they go every Sunday. Were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a Kodak moment. <laughs> yeah, I have a good friend like that, Mark Richardson, who is married to Linda Richardson, who was the director of um, Family Life for the diocese yeah. for a long time. And he always came to church with, with Linda every yeah. weekend. And then I thought he was Catholic, and he was not. And okay. I just I asked him one day after church, I said, Mark, I don't mean to pry, but just has anybody ever asked you, why don't you, you know, why don't you convert? Sure. And he said, actually, no. Yeah. Nobody had asked him, and he joined RCIA. Oh, that's awesome. And if I remember correctly, he was in it for two years because okay. he had a lot of questions yeah. uh, before he, well, that's great that he, he went all the way. And, and then he was directing you know, uh, classes for, for families, baptism classes, and you know, all kinds of stuff. At the, Once at it parish. hits you, man, you get so hungry. You can't get enough of the word. You just can't. Oh, man, converts are the most on-fire Catholics there are, you just for can't. sure. Yeah, for sure. So... Listen, I guess we're at the end of our segment here, and it's great to hear that story. Thanks for sharing that, Nelson. No, thank you. We will uh, take a break for two minutes, and we'll be right back with our guest, Tyler Rowley. Okay. Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent, to Christ present in the Eucharist, to Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by our sisters who taught us in school to pray before every class to pray for what we needed. Because we could be irreverent, we were taught to go to confession on Saturday and to ask ourselves, did we say our prayers well and without distraction? All this was reverence. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. Play no class. Absolutely no class. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy makes you attractive, helps you enjoy life, safeguards your energy, Being resentful, angry, and miserable just makes you tired. Joy is strength. That's why the devil wants to rob your joy. He wants to sap your strength. He wants to steal that next great moment with your kids and have you be focused on mean stuff someone did to you at work instead. Ever think of how easy it is to focus on something negative that happened to you and how hard it is to stay focused on positive things? We never tend to obsess on positive interactions like, dang it, 
I just can't shake the thought of that guy who was kind enough to let me in front of him on the freeway. <laughs> right? Listen, you only get about 30,000 days on this earth. Don't ever give a whole day to being angry at somebody else's bad behavior. No one is worth that. As St. Teresa of Avila said, let nothing disturb you. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is George Rose with my co-host Nelson Abreu on Brothers in Arms uh, on this Friday evening. In this, this what do we say, Nelson? Sleety, <laughs> yeah, sleety Friday there evening. You go. Typical <laughs> Jersey weather. Right? Yes, and we have a, a guest today, um, Tyler Rally, who's on the line with us. Hey, Tyler, how you doing? Good. How you doing, guys? Good. Thanks good. Very good. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we, you were rec- recommended to us by a, a good friend of our show, Trent Beatty, who uh, writes for yeah. the National Catholic Report uh, Register, not the Reporter, the Register. <laughs> yeah. And um, and we, we've you know read a little bit about you. Uh, I, I know you're president of the Servants of Christ for Life. Uh, I read in his interview with you that you, you went to Brown University, you played football there, you won a, a championship, I think, your senior year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Nine and right? one, I think they went. Yeah, is that right? Nine and one, that was my Woo-hoo! junior year. Junior year. My, my junior year. Yeah, yeah we, had a great, we had a great team. We lost to Harvard the second game of the year, but Harvard ended up losing two games that year and we won out after that. So it was a great season. I had a ton of fun playing football at Brown. I still got you know, great friends um, from that time in my life. And, and me and Trent talked a lot about how sports has sort of, sort of shaped my understanding of the faith and, and uh, led me down the, the twists and turns of life. But a lot of the, uh, a lot of the strength that I gained uh, playing all, all types of sports, football, baseball, basketball, growing up really uh, helped me kind of come back to the faith and, and appreciate Catholicism um, in, in all its truth. So, yeah, that was fun talking to, talking to Trent because he's so, he's so kind of involved in, in the sports aspect of the faith, and I never really kind of talked about that aspect of my life before, so that was, that was a lot of fun. That's great. And you, and you were a fullback, I believe, uh, Tyler? Yeah, re- regrettably so. I <laughs> <laughs> you say you were kind of playing the, full fullback is like like being a servant, right? You're like saying a block blocking for the stars, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel it every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's great. And you're still blocking today, right? Yep. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I wanted to now. Is your full time the reason? One of the reasons we have you on is that you came out with a book recently, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute. But you're the president of Servants of Christ for Life. But is that is that your job, or do you have a regular job that you do, and and you have other um, you know uh, commitments that that you do in addition to that? Yeah, I'm kind of a kind of an entrepreneurial guy. Ever since I got out of school, I I write books. I I'm in I'm in real estate on some properties. And um, I do some di- digital marketing, so I'm kind of a kind of a, you know entrepreneurial. Like I said, I do I do a few different things um, to support uh, my family. But the Servants of Christ for Life that is 100% on a volunteer basis. That's that's a group that was formed in 1973 mm. by very faithful very faithful women uh, back then that started that group. And I'm <clears throat> I'm the lucky um, I guess current current leader of that group. Um, after m- many faithful years of people building that up, but it's a, it's a sort of a large organization. Servants of Christ for Life itself 
is an all-volunteer organization which oversee, and it also oversees two other organizations that it created back in the 80s. One is a crisis pregnancy center mm. called the Mother called the Mother of Life Center. And where is that? Where is that, Tyler? That's in Providence, Rhode Island. That's actually that's a that's a building itself on one of the most popular Italian restaurant streets in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's this beautiful pregnancy center. And I remember when I was in, when I was at Brown. You, you know, you'd find yourself on that street a lot because it was a great nightlife spot. And, and every once in a while, I'd see this this this, 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 this logo of, of what looked like Mary and a child. And I just used to say, what the heck is that? <laughs> what, what is that thing doing on this street? But it is, um, it's a testament. I mean, the, the amount of money they raised to, to buy a piece of property on that street and then to build that building. And, and, and now they offer free ultrasounds and free baby products and pregnancy tests. And they employ three people. It's a great, it's a great ministry. Oh, God bless a lot them. Of, uh, lives, a lot of, so what we do at Servants of Christ for Life, we're really focused on getting volunteers to go out to the sidewalk and try and convince these mothers, obviously that to give life to their, to their children, as opposed to going into the Planned Parenthood in Providence. Mm. And, and this is the place that we would direct them to the Mother of Life Center, which is only a couple of miles away and where they would get, you know, true health care um, as opposed to what Planned Parenthood does. So there's, and, then, and then there's another organization that Servants of Christ for Life created uh, decades ago called the Little Flower Home, and their mission is to actually serve as the homes for these mothers if they choose life. So a lot of times when the mother chooses life, she's in a tough situation with her parents or the boyfriend or the husband or whatever it is. Um, so Little Flower Home has a network of families across the Diocese of Providence that can provide housing for the pregnant mother and, and then even after she gives birth. So there's kind of three organizations, Servants of Christ for Life, Mother of Life Center, Little Flower Home, and we all kind of work That's and amazing. together um, to sort of fulfill the pro-life need that is in uh, in Rhode Island. That's huge. Well, that, that's huge. Nice, nice that's amazing. And, you know, you, you and Nelson are uh, men with uh, after the same heart. So, Nelson, uh, every Saturday you do the sidewalk prayers, right, Nelson? Yeah, I got very local, involved with, yeah. you know, um, pro-life about five or six years ago. And the sad part is even right here in our own little town on Saturdays, business is good. In Hamilton, Hamilton, New Jersey, yeah. right? That's where it is? Yeah, it's here in Hamilton. And on East State Street, there's a Planned Parenthood there, too. And we have vigils at both sites on Saturday mornings. But it's, it's you know, it's a shame that business is good. But we, we're there praying, trying to give options to young women. Mm. And this is wonderful, Tyler, that, you know, not only do they have options, but they have the housing and everything, because that, that is huge. Yeah, so, yeah, we try, and, we try to kind of cover the bases of, of what's needed and all the different types of circumstances. And, and this was built, like I said, this was built by, you know, very faithful people a long time ago. And if you go back to 1973, when Roe v. Wade was passed, there was, you know, there was all this sort of you know, brand new momentum and money that was flowing into the pro-life movement. And these, these, these people took, took advantage of that, and they set up, you know, these great institutions that are still going strong, um, what, 50, 50 years later. God so, bless both um, of you guys yeah, for uh, the work that you do. Work. There's a lot. Yeah, like you said, the business is good over at Planned Parenthood. There's about, uh, we calculate about 50, 50 children who are, who are killed yeah. every week at the, at the Providence Planned Parenthood, all the way up to uh, 19 weeks in the womb. Mm. So there's, um, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of work to do. And, and once you get started on the sidewalk, it was something I sort of just randomly did after I got out of college. Is, you know, you start thinking, you start reading, start wondering what your life's going to be about and what you're going to spend your time doing on this earth. And I, I, I found myself driving my car to the Planned Parenthood. I, I had no idea what I was going to expect, but I knew that people went there, you know. So I just kind of went and observed one day, and I met the other the Catholics on the sidewalk, and I've been back almost every single week for the last, you know, six, seven years. And once you start doing it, you know, it's you're really you're you're in like a you're just in it. You're you're in yeah. it to to save the lives. You're in it to make a difference, and and you can't really you know um, stop. Yeah, once, no, you're once, trying to be the voice. Commit, committed yourself to it. Yeah, you're in it to win it, right? Yeah, you're, well, you're you're <laughs> trying to be the voice for the for the for the child that has no voice. And on a side right. note, you yeah. know, sometimes, and I think you can relate to this, Tyler. Uh, sometimes, you know, you pray and pray, and you wonder if you get any results. And two weeks, two weekends ago, um, it was just a, a God's blessing that a uh, car pulled in, then was there for a little bit, and started. Pulled back out, and as they pulled out, they stopped, rolled down the window, and he said, "You know, guys, we we chose life, and they left." So it was a wow. So you know, that's when you get those. They're rare, but you get them. What a great so, shot! So, in the yeah, arm, so I'm huh? just saying, it does have an impact when you're there praying. There, you know, you might not know it. Yep. But you can save lives. Yeah. Yep. I've seen that too, and that's what that's the best feeling in the world. The first oh, time man. that ever happened, I'll, I'll never forget that memory of, of that couple coming out. You know, you, you have 200. 200 women have gone in. You never know if you've made a difference. But then one, you know, one day, one, you know, she comes out, and they, it was her and her boyfriend or her husband, and they said, said something to the effect of, "We don't know what we were thinking, but thanks, you know." Yeah. Like, and that's mm. and that's really my, all glory to God, biggest, right? Yeah, yeah. That's been my biggest takeaway, is that you never there's there's go eventually there's going to be a woman that shows up there. That is on the fence, and she's really just looking for someone to validate the scout that she has. But mm. everyone so far has, has, you know, said she's crazy and she can't do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, she sees a, a few strangers saying, "No, you can do this. Your baby's alive. You'll you'll be a great mother. This help for you." And boom, that's all she needed, you know, because she was on the fence. Wow. Um, well, yeah. you guys are uh, both. You guys are, are out there in the trenches, on the front lines. This is awesome. You know, I was yeah. I was speaking. We have uh, an organization locally called Legacy of Life Foundation, and we had the uh, executive director Marie Joseph spoke at our yeah. a men's conference that we organize every year. Tyler and she spoke about four yeah. or five years ago, and I was speaking to her earlier this week, and she told me that in 2020. Uh, they saved 268 lives, and and it's a crisis wow. pregnancy center in Bristol. Uh, there yep. used to be a Planned Parenthood across the street. And they finally closed. Shut, shut down. Last, right? they, I think last year. It was about uh, two, two years ago. A couple of years right, ago, they shut down. But but that's how yep. they keep track. So she puts out a T-shirt every year, per year, how many lives were saved. It's been over 300 at some point. Oh, it's but, up almost 500 one, at one point. Yeah, it's, it's close to 3,000 lives since she's been doing it that have been saved. And when you look at the impact that way, it's like, whoa. Um, so God bless you guys for doing that. And, and Tyler, I want to ask you... A little bit. I just ordered your book last night. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Directly from the author. I went to your website and ordered it. So you put it came out with a book in the fall called Because of Our Fathers, and it's 23 Catholics that tell how their their fathers led them to Christ. And there's some uh, great names on here: Patrick Madrid, uh, Abby Johnson, the great you know pro life advocate, the movie Unplanned book and movie Unplanned Father, Paul Scalia. 
uh, Matt Burke, NFL Jesse, player. Jesse Romero. Jesse Romero. Um, uh, who else? Father John Ricardo. You got some great names in here. So what, did you interview – tell us a little bit about the book, but did you interview them and write the stories, or did they write the stories and contribute? Like, How, how is the book um, laid out? Yeah, so I, I just had this idea one day. I was actually listening to Catholic Radio one Friday morning, and I Father Gerald Murray was on, and he had just buried his father the week before. So he was talking all about his dad on this Friday morning on the radio, and he told this one particular story that just struck me. He said when he was seven years old, uh, you know, he's in the kitchen, he's eating breakfast, and, and his dad's leaving for work like he does every morning. But all of a sudden he realizes, maybe because of something his dad said, that his dad is going to Mass before he goes to work. Mm. And he realizes, like, he's been doing this every day for years, and he, he never knew it. And he said, Dad, what, you go to church every single day? I mm. thought we only had to go to church on Sundays. And his dad said, well, I, I guess you only have to go on Sunday, but I love being with Christ in the Eucharist every day, start, you know, to start my day. And it was like this bombshell went off for this seven, eight-year-old kid where he realizes that, you know, maybe this church thing is a little bit more important than what I've thought. It's not just like an event that we go to on Sunday, but, you know, the strongest man in my life lives in this, like, constant, you know, humble submission to God, and, and it just, like, opened up the face to him for the first time. You know, he ends up becoming a priest, and a great priest, and I'm thinking to myself, man, there's... So what happened when I heard that story, the first thing that I thought of, my mind raced back a couple of years before that, when my my priest, Father Hyacinth, he had sent me a study about the generational transmission of faith and how fathers and mothers pass on the faith to their sons and daughters. And it was just like staggering study, these like really off-balance numbers of, of how critical and primary the father was to this transmission of faith. The numbers were, and I talked about those, that, that exact study in the book. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, and then, and then I kind of went through like a mental Rolodex in my head of like all the people who I know, and I started to draw a connection between everyone who was still Catholic and their dads were strong Catholics, and everyone who had fallen away and their dads, you know, were completely not practicing the faith. So I said, man, is that, maybe there's something to this idea that like the father is the head of the household and he passes on the faith and he's the leader, he's the protector, and the children really you know, look at him and, and, and follow his lead, especially with religion. And I started calling around to people, uh, people like Patrick Madrid and uh, Tony Esselin and Jesse Namiro, and I wanted to, you know, give them the idea that I had for this book. But first I had to see, is this relevant to your life? Like, did you actually, because I know you're a strong Catholic, but I know nothing about your father. And every single person I called almost, who I thought of as a committed Catholic, had the same response, that, Oh, yeah, my dad was the best guy in the world. He was really committed. He was very, very strong in his faith. He's the, he's the one who kept the family in the faith. And so almost like the thesis of the book and what the Church has been telling us for 2,000 years kind of rang true in these initial calls with these people, because all of them had the same uh, sort of story about their dad. Mm. So, they, so they, and they were so grateful for that fact, their, their dads were so instrumental in keeping them Catholic that they were so grateful that they were they were completely willing to contribute. You know, a, a, a thousand. The, the essays are about four to six pages, so they write them. I edited I edited them. Uh, I write a twenty to thirty 
page introduction of the book, but then the 23 essays after my introduction are all written by the contributors themselves. Um, half of them, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize their names right away. They're very popular Catholics. You listed some of them. And then the other half, that was kind of the most fun part of putting the book together. So I knew I needed some, like, some name power to sort of sort of drive the interest in <laughs> right, the book. Right. But then but then the other half, I was like, all right, now I've got some name recognition. Now I just want to go out and find people you would never know from Adam, but they've got great fathers and great stories about their dads. And that was that was really the most fun part of the book. It took, you know, some research and some some networking and and uh ten you'll see the first essay in the book is a guy named John Castillo. And I won't tell the whole story now, but he, John Castillo is the father of Kendrick Castillo. And you probably recognize that name. He was in the media. There was a school shooting in Colorado in May of 2019, and Kendrick was the only student in that school who died because he rushed the shooter. Oh, he gave, sure, gave yeah. his life for, yeah. his, for his classmate. Yeah. And, um, and John writes about, John writes both about his dad, which, is, which would be Kendrick's grandfather, and he writes about Kendrick himself. So it's sort of a unique essay, and one of those ones where I just kind of, you know, got on the internet and I was searching around for stories. And, and John was, you know, of course, a very strong Catholic, and he he did his best to bestow, um, you know, those ideals and those virtues into Kendrick, which he obviously did. Because Kendrick end, ends up doing what Christ did for us. You know, so many years ago, like you know, giving his life for his friend. So mm. that's actually the first essay in the book for a reason because I thought it was so, um, just just demonstrated what what the Catholic faith is all about. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, little... I had heard that story about him, um, but did not realize the Catholic connection. But of course, that makes total sense, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's what Jesus said in the Gospels, <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, there's no greater love than that to give your life for for a friend, right? So. Right. Um, and I don't even know if he gave it for a friend. It might have just been somebody that maybe he knew, you know, was not even a close friend. Um, yeah, well, the plan the plan for these shooters was to execute all the kids in the... And there, was, there were two shooters. And what, what's interesting about this story, and John talks about this, is that the two shooters who leave class, they go home, they, they you know, they smoked something, and then they got all their guns ready, and they were, they were going to go shoot up two different classrooms and, and kill everybody in the classrooms. But... When you when you sort of delve, so so the point of the book is to say, listen, when you're a good father, you get you get kids like Kendrick, and when you're a bad father, you get kids like these two shooters. And lo and behold, that's exactly the case. Because mm. These two shooters had no father relationships. They had terrible fathers. They had fathers who were in jail and who beat their wives, their, mm. their kids' mothers, mm. and they ran drugs and all and all sorts of stuff. They just weren't there. Most most importantly, a really eerie part of that story is that 11 days before the shooting, the kid that went into Kendrick's <coughs> classroom, he he wrote on Twitter how he missed his father, like really randomly, like a mm-hmm. real, sort of like a random tweet about how he missed his father. And then 11 days later. Um, he sort of wants to unleash, you know, the the pain and suffering in his life on on, on the rest of his classmates. Um, so it's really the story of this sort of demonically led. These two kids were sort of demonically led. They're hell bent on on sharing their pain and suffering with the world, and they clash with this kind of Christ like Kendrick, who yeah. was raised to to know and love uh, Christ and 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 the church. Yeah, you know, you, you clash on this thing. Yeah, you really hit the uh, nail. It's a fascinating story. 
you, you know, Tyler, you really hit the nail on the head there because when the father isn't present, uh, there it, it opens the door for uh, Satan to step in, you know. And I always tell people that the number one problem in our country, right, it's not politics or any of this. It's, it's fatherlessness, Damn. you know. And really what you guys were talking about earlier uh, with the abortion, uh, that, that's, that's a symptom of the disease, right? The problem there is fatherlessness Correct. too, right? Yeah. Um, men not taking responsibility, wanting to be fathers, not realizing they, they've created a life. We have to step soul, up. Right? We, we need to, man. It's Man up. Yeah. I mean, what a great book. I can't wait to read it, you know, and all the great examples of fatherhood because I, I need that too. I have a teenage son. I was telling Nelson <laughs> earlier, and it's tough sometimes as a dad <laughs> with, a, with yeah. a teenage son, you know, um, and I see this beautiful picture of you and your family, Tyler, and your kids look pretty young oh, still. <laughs> so when, they are they are young. So I'm in, yeah, I'm in the thick of it. I'm trying to, I'll tell you what, when you read these stories, if even if you're you know you're committed to the faith and 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 you got it all together with your family, I've I've heard so many testimonies from people saying of how encouraged they were mm. to be better to be better fathers and that, and as Catholics we need to realize that like there's there's never sort of like a moment where you should ever be saying okay like I'm there I got mm. it we're good you know mm-hmm. so, because because you're you're one you know you're one mistake or or temptation away from falling from falling into sin and, and for things really falling apart. And there's always a level of sanctity, a new level of sanctity that you're called to, to reach. And so many fathers um, have written, you know, if you read the Amazon reviews, have said, you know, I, I, I just so, I'm so encouraged to, to become a better father. And, and there's all these sort of practical things. You're reading about 23 different families, really. And there's mm-hmm. all these like little practical, concrete examples of what, parents did in their household um, that the children are reflecting back on and they remember as being sort of the anchors to the faith for, for all the children um, to, to sort of remain Catholic. So there's, 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 tons, there's tons that you can get out of it, and it's the type of book where you can pick it up and you can start on chapter 15 if you want, because all the essays kind of act independently of one another. You can skip my intro right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like a good, uh, a great read, even a good bathroom reading, right? Short essays. <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry about getting through the whole book in, uh, in one shot. <laughs> but, um, well, Tyler, this has been great. We only have about a minute left, so we're going to have to um, uh, wind down. But but thank you so much for yeah, taking thank the you time. So much. And, and you God know, bless you, man. Yeah. Keep it up. Thank you for your witness. Thank you for the book and everything you're doing to uh, evangelize uh, the men in, in our country. Which is so needed. Yeah, no. Thanks for doing what you guys do. Thanks for inviting me on. If you ever need me back for a conversation about something else, I'm happy to do it. I will say that we started with the pro-life stuff. Abby Johnson and I are, are co-authoring a book for Ignatius Press with 20 pro-life stories. Um, so that's going to come out sometime next year. Oh, um, cool. want to get that out. I guess we'll be Very talking cool. again. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah, we'll have to have you back on when that's ready to come out. That would be a great uh, a great reason to do it. So, again, thanks so much, Tyler. God bless. And God guys, bless. remember, National Catholic Men's Conference, February 19th to 21st. Keep an eye out in your emails. Go to our website and get registered for it. It's it's the Hall of Fame of speakers uh, in this you know, three-day event. Three event. You, you'll be really happy you did it. So God bless and take care.